Hey everybody, thanks again for joining me here on CultureCast. Always great to have you. Uh, I'm here to really amplify the voices of others who are doing great things to help advance the workplace and our space to be more human at work. And uh, it's, it's a perfect thing for our guest today, Dr. Emily Anhalt. Uh, Dr. Emily is a, a licensed psychotherapist. Uh, I came across Emily at a conference. I saw her speak on imposter syndrome and I was floored. I was floored at her ability um, her communication ability, how, how how she came across, how articulate she was, and just knew I had to uh, have Emily in my sphere. I learned more about her and the work she's doing, currently starting an uh, organization called COA, uh, which COA is a brick-and-mortar uh, place for kind of a, a mind for the uh, a gym for the mind, as she puts it, for people to come together to destigmatize mental health, put together groups, have people have these discussions, and it's just inspired by that. And her work really crosses over into the workplace However, what I like so much about uh, Emily is that she does not come from the normal places that, you know, most of these HR conversations are coming from, that she spends so much of her time really as a therapist and then crossing over. So today we basically speak about just a little bit of her work, COA, and at this high level, um, what she's seeing in the world as a therapist. Then we drill into the organization, so what she's in her work and, and trainings with organizations, what she's hearing and seeing. And then finally, tactical tips just at the end there around some things uh, to be thinking about to take care of ourselves in these current times uh, as, as we move through and what she thinks is on the other side. So take a listen. Please share your thoughts with me uh, wherever you're listening to this or on my LinkedIn page, um, but really happy to share that. I hope you enjoy and really excited to be sharing Emily's voice out with the world. So without further ado, please enjoy. All right. Hey, Emily. Hey, how are you today? I am well. Um, like I was, we were just checking in, but doing well, being with it, you know, but uh, again, it's ton of gratitude and every day is a new adventure and um doing really good had a great we didn't did an interview this morning so i'm excited about and with you and working on community at culture amp so that's that's what's going on in my world uh what's going Congrats on, on the position thank you thank you it's funny you know linkedin is like such as this cast this bro, this broad web and in some ways it really was it was more of a, a just a, a title and a level up um which is really great, and I was really glad to, to, to get that. And um, but in many ways, like I'm continuing on the path I've been on um, right now, and like building community, uh, and you know, just that's been my biggest focus and continuing that. But thank you very much for that. Um, Got to celebrate the wins, you know. I know, I agree, I agree, and I don't want to downplay that. What about you? What's going on in your world? Oh, all the things. <clears throat> it's interesting to be in the mental health space and to be a helper at a time like this. I think when this crisis first hit, myself and my company, COA, sort of rushed out to support everyone we could in every way we could. And then at some point realized we weren't at all taking the medicine we were prescribing and had to slow down a little bit, make sure that we were taking care of ourselves and, you know, in a position to thoughtfully and meaningfully help others. And now I think we've found our groove and a bit of a self-care routine. And it makes me feel a lot more equipped to keep doing the work. Mm. It's nice sometimes we have to remember that uh, we have to we have to practice what we preach for ourselves sometimes. And, um, and as you know, my wife's a therapist, you're a therapist. And it's, it's, it's more it's so poignant in that field where you do that work all day long. But sometimes you got to turn back and like look at yourself and practice, you know, take a little bit of your own medicine there. I'd say it's true for everything, though. I think if people took a second to really think about what they do for a living, 
thoughtfully, they would find some element of what they're offering being the thing they most need themselves and perhaps didn't get at some point or don't have enough of now. So it's an interesting yeah. exercise. Share a little bit about COA for those that don't know about COA. Um, I, I've always been fascinated by the work and what you're building in the world, but I'd love you to share a little more about that. Absolutely. So I'm the co-founder and chief clinical officer of COA, which is a gym for mental health and fitness. So we will be opening brick and mortar therapy studios, essentially a place where you can come be matched to a licensed therapist and see them every week, but also have all kinds of ongoing proactive mental fitness classes. So classes on things like communication, leadership, resilience, imposter syndrome, self-awareness, all kinds of things, all led by licensed therapists and priced really low. And so anyone can get this therapeutic experience from all these different angles and perspectives. And then it's all really grounded in community. The idea being, you know, there's so many visible, accessible spaces for physical health in the world, right? You might be an Equinox person or SoulCycle. You might be 24-hour fitness or Planet Granite or, you know, there's so many options for people and there are very few equivalent options for mental health. And so we wanted to find a way to make it more visible, more accessible, and really grounded in clinical integrity. So everyone who works with us is a therapist with a lot of experience. Now, of course, all this craziness has meant that we've done a bit of a pivot and we're offering everything online. So right now, actually, all of our online offerings are free for the community, all therapist-led discussions and workshops on emotional fitness tools. And so if you go to joincoa.com, you can learn a little bit about that. And then we also engage with companies and organizations that want to support the mental and emotional health and fitness of their employees. So we do a lot of that as well. And it's just been really beautiful, mm. profound, amazing, intense adventure. I love it. And from the first time we spoke, you've this, this idea of, I think they go hand in hand, but the destigmatization of, I don't know, of mental health itself, but like, you know, like we talked about, like I, I used to joke, like the most awkward place in the world is like the therapist's office. Like you sit, no, yeah. no one looks at each other. In the, so like, I think there's like the level of what you're doing of like the community and like destigmatizing the it of it, which is super cool. Cause like the more I got into it, I'm like, why, why do we make this awkward for people? And you really th yeah. thought a lot about that. Yeah, I love that you see it from that perspective, because, you know, of course, therapy itself is private and confidential. But the fact that you're working on your mental and emotional health doesn't necessarily have to be this stigmatized, shameful feeling secret. And what we saw, because we did a big, ex big experiment that we called the mental health pop up, where we did small version of these all over the country. And our biggest aha moment from that was that people who had a therapy session or a workshop at the pop up ended up staying for hours and just talking to each other about how their therapy was and what they thought of the workshop and what they're working on. And when we surveyed them about it afterwards, they said, well, because I knew everyone was there for the same reason as me, it felt safe to build community. And so we really want to shift this idea that therapy and mental health and mental wellness are only for those who are seriously struggling or who are really trying to get to this other place in their life. Don't get me wrong, those are great times to get support, but actually I think the best time to get support is when things are mostly okay and you have the mental resources to kind of dig in deeper, mm -hmm. understand who you are in the world, your relationships, your your occupational complications, all of that. And so we're really all about proactive, ongoing mental fitness, like building a routine, going to the gym for your mind instead of waiting until you're sick, right? So Yeah, you, you're always so articulate with that. It's, it's like when you say it, I, I sense it, but like, yeah. So yeah, like yeah, do that. Like we have it so connected to like you're sick. You like 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 our typical like I have a cold. I go to the doctor. And with this stuff, you're right. You don't have the, the capacity. Yeah, you can deal with the trauma in the moment. But what you really want to do is build those skills up. So when the moment hits, you're prepared. And yeah, like, how do we how do we shift that conversation? Which 
is a perfect segue to shift our conversation um, into <laughs> like talk about trauma and everything going on. I'm thinking as we go through this co- this call, what we'll do is like start meta and work our way in. So like with your hat on meta, so now it's like the world, COVID, what's happening? What are you seeing as a therapist? What's what are you sensing? What's up for you most with all? The, I mean, everybody's seen this from different perspectives, but like, what's your unique perspective? individually but also professionally on this situation sure so what i've seen is people sort of falling into one of two camps there are the people who are sort of not feeling much right now and just kind of putting their head down and pushing forward and who i suspect when they feel more safe and on the other side of things will suddenly be hit by quite a bit of emotion from having pushed through all this time And then there are the people who are struggling right now and really feeling a lot of anxiety and uncertainty and, you know, not sure what to do and everything's changing and they're overwhelmed. And to me, the common factor there is just how to make space for your emotions when you are dealing with such an unusual circumstance as this, that even the people who, whose lives are not necessarily changed in huge ways apart from, you know, being sheltering in place, even those people I think are actually being a lot more affected by this than they're giving themselves credit for. And uh, I just, I'm sort of on a mission to give permission for people to slow down and really feel what they're feeling about all of this so that it doesn't build into something really unmanageable later. That's really interesting. And when you say that, I'm almost like, gosh, I've been sitting with this thing of, um, I'm feeling a ton of gratitude and I'm feeling like, Wow, lucky I am, and I'm with the people I love, and I have some space, and like you know, we we've got a good setup. And there's times where I wonder, like what you just said, am I am I shutting off to something? I don't know. It's been a very interesting experience for me. I'm seeing a lot of gift in it, and even in the in the intensity of it, but just and maybe it's also the work I've done, just focusing on things around me. But my concern, or I don't know, like I don't. Maybe I'm on the other side of that when this is all like said and done. I'm just like have a, a moment. Um, as I'm talking, the other thing that I heard, I want to get your take on this because it came up in a call yesterday and it was, we, we do this thing at work where we got, we just an opportunity for people to come together and get to see each other and, and just know each other better. And this theme came out that everybody agreed to. And I think people hadn't spoken to it before, which was a sense of um, fear or sadness when this is over. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Like, and we all got it. And we're like, I have a bit of that. Like in some ways, I don't. I don't want the pain. I don't want this to be misconstrued. I, I, the, the, there's a lot of bad stuff going on, but the connection, the depth, the richness, like the pausing and slowing down collectively, and like a sadness for it. Like if it just ends, we just rush back to the way it was. I don't know. Well, you're pointing out something important, which is that there is beauty in this. You know, there. You know, I heard it compared to something like this is like a fresh blanket of snow, and we have this new opportunity to create new tracks. You know, we tend to be stuck in the tracks that we create day after day after day. And this is an opportunity to decide what do we want to do differently? Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I think sometimes I go to the other side a little bit because it's my experience that especially in the world of tech, people are always sort of pushing toward optimism. And I want to make sure that there's space for the tougher stuff. But you're right that all of that is absolutely there. And uh, I think that if we can hold both, that's Mm -hmm. really the ideal situation. And also recognize, I think that the ability to feel those things is a privilege, right? Mm-hmm. That they certainly don't have time to be grateful because they've just lost their job or, you know, are in a really tough situation. And so kind of holding that alongside is also important. But, you know, what's been interesting is I've been hearing a lot of people's dreams, both my own patients and my clients and, you know, on, on Twitter and mm-hmm. my friends. And 
this interesting common theme of dreams has been popping up, which is people having dreams about a situation that's not really that big of a deal, but is extremely stressful in the dream. So someone who like their favorite brand of dog food for their dog is out of stock and they're just freaking out about it going from store to store or like a dream where they're trying to call someone, their phone's not working and it's not an emergency. And yet it feels like such an emergency. And my interpretation of that has kind of been that it's an interesting thing when things are actually mostly okay right now. Like the majority of us are not suffering in intense ways right now. And yet there's this collective emotional, you know, overwhelming thing happening that I think we're trying to contextualize and understand. How do you, you know, I'm in my house and I have everything I need and yet there's a lot sort of still in the air and how do I handle that? So, you know, I think everyone's doing it their own way. It's so interesting. I think for me, it's pointed out something that I've worked around. You probably see is like our, how, how much we struggle with holding two competing ideas at once. Like, can it, yes. can this be really scary and painful and awful and sad and be a beautiful gift and a blessing. And can those, I don't, I don't think our brains like to go. It's, it's hard for us. Yes. We, want, we want to define it and make it safe and understand it. But yet the world. Oh yeah. This is, this is one of the most, my most favorite psychological concepts. Uh, there's something in psychoanalysis called the depressive position. And the depressive position is a developmental state that we achieve and then sort of lose and achieve again over time, which is the ability to hold the good and the bad at the same time and in the same place. And it's called the depressive position because it's depressing. It would be much better if the world were so simple that we could just avoid the bad and move toward the good, but actually nothing's all good or all bad. And our ability to exist in both places is so complicated. We're not really taught that we're allowed to feel conflicting feelings at the exact same time. But, you know, we're, we are made of infinite parts that each represent some important truth for us. And I think allowing ourselves to feel them at the same time is, is really powerful. Oh, wow. I didn't know. I'm going to look that up now because I've thought about that for a long time and I didn't know about that theory. So that's, um, Really cool. So let's, okay, so we have 10 minutes here. Let's switch gears to organizations because you know that's where I spend a lot okay. of my time, my days. Um, and you, it sounds like you've been more and more um, being pulled in, talking to organizations. What are the big things you're finding yourself talking about, themes? What's up for you around organizations in these times? Sure. So yeah, I've been doing a bunch of AMAs about how to handle the emotional side of all of this for leadership. And I think the big questions are things like, how do I balance optimism and productivity with realism and acknowledging how heavy the situation is. Uh, a lot of leaders are like, how do I make sure people don't know that I'm freaking out? <laughs> My answer is, well, sure, you shouldn't totally fall apart in front of everyone, but transparency is really important. And if you think you're getting away with it, <laughs> you. you're sorely mistaken. People are very perceptive and just naming it, I think is really powerful. So I'm seeing a lot of that. And then just you know, desire for anxiety management tools and work from home tools, how to create a schedule, how to prioritize self-care. There's no boundaries now at home that separate your home life from your work life the way there used to be for people who did work at an office. And so how to actually create these sort of metaphorical boundaries at home about when you do and don't check email and, mm. you know, make sure that you're doing things like exercising and sleeping and eating. There were a couple of days there that 7 p.m. would hit and I would realize I had eaten nothing, you know, and so I had to start to prioritize those kinds of things. Yeah, I, that's it's so good. When you're talking, I was thinking about somebody re re referenced a meme recently. I, so the truth is, I didn't even see the meme, but I thought that the, the, 
the idea of it was funny. It was likening the situation to Vegas. Kind of like, I can like, I can drink <laughs> yeah. whatever I want. I can wear whatever I want. And time has no meaning. Like, <laughs> Oh, was- yeah. I've been seeing that. People drinking and smoking and all of that so much more than they would. And by the way, I love how meta it is that I'm hearing your family in the background. Because this is exactly the thing, right? There's different levels of ability to separate stuff now. And it's just a reality that we're all, I mean, I can't tell you how many dogs and children and everything that I've met because of all this. And what's nice is people seem to be really loving and understanding about it. I'm happy you brought that up. You know, I had a really weird experience (laughs) yesterday. I had a call with Claude Silver first and I said to her, what would you want to hold on? If you could hold on to one thing when this is all over. And what she said was interesting. I'll share in a second. But then the rest of the day, I had two other calls with people that I really appreciate their opinions. And I did not prompt them to say, and they were saying the same thing. And it has to do with Zoom and this meta sort of thing that we're like letting everybody into our worlds in a way we never had yeah. before. And there's like a, it's like a forced vulnerability and both being aware, like it's privilege plays into that as well. Like the executive who's talking, you know, sitting at the big home in Tahoe while they're talking to the, you know, the employee stuck in, and like, tell me how you're doing. And like, are you aware of what everybody's seeing right now and what's happening? But also the beauty of, I hope we don't get back to, it's like, it's pushing people to be a little more vulnerable, like inadvertently, but can we stay there? Can we blur these boundaries a little more? Uh, um, What do you think? As a therapist, it's been so interesting because I'm seeing the inside of people's homes and that's really unique. And, you know, um, that's been cool. And then I also think this, one of the opportunities this has created is I'm more in touch with people now than I ever was before. I'm talking to people in my life who I didn't necessarily carve out time and space for before and now it's just this easy way to cross state lines and international lines and all of that so that's been interesting yeah the levels of connection that we didn't think i didn't think i went into this i clearly had bias towards um i mean i love these online tools but i'm super biased towards in-person events yeah and obviously it, right and at, but at first I, I felt the aversion i almost had like this like dread and then very quickly when i just realized i had to lean into it lean into it blown away by how much I was missing because of that story. Like, is it the same? It's not the same. But I have had some powerful moments over this, over this. So I think just reminding ourselves that our stories can get in our way and, um, yeah. So tips, you're always great at like the high, and you might've already said some of these, but to the employees, the, the, you know, most of us are employees, just like high level tips on things to do to take care of yourself right now. It's like from a psychological perspective. The one I've been sharing the most is the idea of planning for the future with action, but stay present with emotion. And by that, I mean, you probably have to figure out your contingency plan for the event that you are planning two months from now. And you probably have to figure out if you're going to lay people off, who that's going to be. And, you know, there's a lot of future planning that's necessary right now. But what I'm seeing a lot of is people trying to feel through and deal with emotions about things that haven't even happened yet. What am I going to do if I lose my job? What am I going to do if my business doesn't make it? How will I handle the feelings of failure or the overwhelm? And some of the best advice I ever got is the idea that your future self will have had more time and experience to learn what it will need to handle that moment if and when it happens. And expecting your present self to have what it needs to handle something that hasn't even happened yet is unfair. And so instead, focus on what's true right now. Handle just that, which is already plenty. We have plenty of emotions just to deal with right now. And trust that your future self will be born into existence in the moment that it needs to be to take care of that future truth. You're awesome. 
You, you put it, I just you say these things that I think about. I just always enjoy. I'm always reminded how much I enjoy how you synthesize these ideas. Um, that was really Thanks, awesome. Gray. You're welcome. Okay, here's the last thing. I'm gonna ask you the same question I asked Claude, which is when this is over and you have it your way, and you can you just you have one thing you can be assured you get to hold on to and bring into the new world and the future from all this. What is it? You know, I see this as as a transitional time. I don't see that all of this as proof that the future is virtual. People are adaptable and I think we're making the most of it and seeing the beauty that's possible from it. But I actually really think when this, when it's possible to see each other again, we're going to need it more than ever. And so what I'm hoping comes out of this is people understanding just how important community really is and that we can't take it for granted and that almost any difficult thing is less difficult when we don't feel like we're alone in it. And so that's what we're trying to do at COA is just bringing people together around the inevitable, complicated truths of life. Community. Yeah. Community, right? We need connection and we find it different ways, but that's ultimately the power of community. So, and I think we won't be isolating like this, but we will be in smaller pockets for a long time. So I think it's really going to push yeah. us to these closer, tighter knit communities. Um, thank you again for taking the time. I always appreciate um, your your willingness to share and uh, our our connection and just where they might go. But I look forward to, to amplifying your voice and your message. Also, like one more plug, like anything you want to make sure people know, koa.com. Join koa.com, J-O-I-N-C-O-A.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is D-R-E-M-I-L-Y-A-N-H-A-L-T. D-R-E-M-I-L-Y-A-N-H-A-L-T. And uh, I just hope to stay in touch. Anyone who is wanting help working on their emotional fitness during this time, I hope they'll connect. And also, Craig, thank you. I just, I really do appreciate you. The feeling is totally mutual on gratitude for our connection. And I see the way that you use your platform to amplify others. And it's wonderful. Thank you. All right. Until next time. Thanks, Emily. Take care. Bye, Greg.